3: Us. Hey. Just us. Hey. Oh, yeah. Hello, I'm Allison Raskin. I'm a writer, mental health advocate, and I keep getting emails from my dead grandma.
1: Hi, I'm Gabe Dunn. I'm a writer, bi bisexual, icon, wink, and what the fuck? <laughs>
3: I'm getting these emails from Selma Raskin, but she's dead. Ooh, the fu- who the fuck, who? Her account must have been hacked or something. Is that creepy? Yeah, it's not. It's unsettling for
1: sure. What does it say?
3: I don't read them because I'm afraid, but it'll be, I think this one today was like three new photos. I don't know.
1: Three new photos. It's a Yo, ghost, Wait, Allison. let me
3: see what What are you said? fucking
1: talking about? Let you got see. a spirit from the other side trying to show you stuff and you're ignoring it?
3: Well, it says, Three photos from Selma Raskin. Should I click it? Yes. What if I get a
1: virus? You're not going to get a virus. You're going to get a a, a a letter from the other side. Melissa, what?
3: Click the email. Don't click any links. Okay. It says, well, obviously, I should have sent them way earlier. I guess when she was
2: live. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> anyway, here they are. Those two pictures. And then it's a link. Even though the subject says three pictures from Selma Let me see the
1: link. It's like unintelligible words. Yeah.
3: So I'm going to delete this. I think I should maybe like block
1: her email. But okay. But what if it is a message from the other side?
3: I'll never know because the risk of a virus is too high.
1: Also, like, I guess if that's not working, she could maybe find a way to contact you that isn't email. Yeah. Like she could go in your dreams and tell you a message or she could like, yeah, I don't know, write it on your mirror while you're showering or something. What? <laughs> so
4: you know, terrifying. like in ghost movies yeah, where like.
3: That's real- I would just assume John had done that.
1: This is this is maybe a taboo. OK, she was maybe murdered and she's sending you like pictures of uh, to like help you solve her murder.
3: But she died of of old age complications and blood cancer in the hospital. That you know
1: of. Okay. Well <laughs> That you know of. Somebody could have, there's all these angel of death nurses putting, um, mm-hmm. you know, they put air in the patient's veins, kill them.
3: You know, I, when I went and got, and I apologize, Melissa, you might want to cover your ears for this. When I went and got one of my COVID boosters, she gave me a needle with nothing in it. <gasps> And so she went, oops, there was nothing in this. And then she gave me the shot again. And I, being an idiot, didn't know that that was like incredibly potentially dangerous. And so then when I told my parents, my parents were like, oh, my God, you might die. You should have sued. But then we called my uncle, who's a dentist, and he said, it's fine.
1: Oh, my God, you could have sued. You could have made money. One of my friends, I won't say who, was given the wrong medication from a, C- a CVS. And uh, it made her incredibly sick. And she put a lawsuit against CVS and got like $3,000. Wow.
3: I just this woman was very nice and probably overworked. And so I just went, oh, no problem. And then You don't she- have to sue
1: her, but you could sue like the, the pharmacy. They have money.
3: Yeah, I guess I didn't realize that putting air in is bad. And so, yeah, but it was I, I'm still alive.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. You're so nice that, like, literally someone almost killed you, and you're like, well, she seems like she works hard. Yeah. Like, that's classic Allison. <laughs> like, that's like, that's like too much. This is just
3: between us a variety show filled with heartfelt advice, ridiculous games, and brutal honesty, unless I'm trying to be polite.
1: Seriously. Also, oh, wow. Selma's a great name. Yeah. That's a really fun name. It was, yeah. Would you ever name a kid that?
3: Well, I feel like whichever grandkid has a kid next will probably use the
1: S. Oh, okay.
3: But I don't know if anyone would do the full Selma.
1: What was your other grandma's name?
3: Vivian. And that's and why that's... I have my niece's name, Vienna.
1: Yeah. Cute. Those are good names. Thank
3: you. I didn't pick any of them. No, I know. <laughs> but those are good.
1: Those are good. Like, what were your grandpa's names?
3: Um, One of them is still alive. His name is Edward. Mm-hmm. And my other grandpa, I believe, is Albert.
1: Because you just called him Grandpa?
3: I didn't know him. He died when my mom was three. Oh,
1: right. Yeah. Those are also very classic names. Yeah. That's good stuff.
3: Thanks. We've got a great episode for everyone today.
1: Yeah, we're going to be talking to Zachary Zane all about his book Boy Slut and also OCD and sexuality. And let me tell you, Zach Zane is our child. He is a mix of me and Allison. In the most in the-
3: wonderful and, and kind of confusing ways. Yeah, I
1: don't know how he's both of us, but he is. And, um, and I don't know how we had a son that is our age, but here we are.
3: <laughs> and later we're going to be talking all about my bachelorette party.
1: Oh, yeah. Me and Melissa were there. We shared a room. We were the best looking people at that whole goddamn resort.
3: That's so rude to me. It was my bachelorette party.
1: Yeah, you did have some very good outfits. Thank
3: you. Fire outfits from you. you. I went special shopping.
1: Fire outfits.
3: (laughs) But we'll dive into that. But first, we have got to answer a listener's question. And you know what that means? Hit it! International question. International question. International question. Andy, Chicago.
1: Oh, can I tell you something? A fan messaged me and asked if every time you sing the international question, like live, or if it's a repeat, if they just play a song that you're already doing. If you listen, over.
3: it's uh, I. I don't get the tune right most of the time.
1: I said no, she sings it every time. Yeah, and
3: I'm and Melissa's nodding because I mess it up almost every time. <laughs> and that's what keeps it spicy.
1: Yeah, I thought it was very obvious you sing it live. (laughs) Okay.
3: So Andy, uh, they, them says, hi there. Long time listener, first time question asker. I'm going to write out a question, but wanted to say also that I wouldn't mind hearing this as a topic discussion if that works better. I like love how well our listeners know the format of the show and are like so accommodating towards it. Okay, so TLDR. How do you have a good slash healthy relationship with weed, especially when you use it as part of your treatment for mental health? Great question. Full question. Hi, gang. I have anxiety, depression, and ADHD. I think that's a hat trick. I've been using weed for a few years and I found it helpful for my mental health in these trying times. I have a new to me therapist who wanted me to get off all substances to try to help with my sleep. It helped a bit. I was able to do this for almost two months, smoked with some friends, and then got back into it. I now find myself using more than I did pre-break. As I'm working to cut back a bit, I would love any advice or tips on how to have a healthy relationship with weed. I would also like to know if you have any tips for talking with my therapist about it. I haven't told her I'm using weed again because she isn't a huge fan. I know I can talk to her about it, but would like tips on pushing back and talking about how I want to keep this as part of my life for the time being, at least. Thank you all. Love this show and been listening, learning and growing with you both since the BuzzFeed days.
1: As a therapy student, Allison, is a therapist supposed to have such a strong opinion about weed?
3: Oh, I mean, supposed to is so tough, right? Because like, even as we get into like with the conversation with Zach like some therapists are much more directive than other therapists and I also think with things like weed like you can kind of like pick up on people's bias right so like I don't know exactly like how explicitly she's anti-weed more like just like it's kind of obvious
1: (laughs) you know yeah I just felt weird like thinking like oh there's something that I don't want to tell my therapist because I'm worried about what she'll think or say that's
3: very common A I know people I felt that way
1: I felt that way about gender even though my therapist at the time was like a butch lesbian. I was like, I was scared because I was like, I don't want to tell her about the trans thing. Cause I, if she tells me it's not real, I'm going to absolutely collapse because I like respected her opinion so much. Now I have a totally different therapist, but I just was I mean, like. I never
3: really talked about that. You like loved your therapist. Now you have a new one. What happened?
1: Um, I just felt like she, my first therapist had a lot of preconceived notions about me and a lot of opinions. Um, Like she would, she would be disappointed in me if I kind of had any sort of normative feelings or approaches. Mm. And she's like extremely queer. And I get that totally. But I didn't like feeling like um, she was disappointed in me if I wanted something that was more normal. Not normal, but you know what I mean? Like she, she was very like radical queer. And I love that. And I am that for sure. But I just started feeling like, oh, I'm going to disappoint her if I if I if I uh, seem like I'm not this radical queer at all times. And she also kind of was a bit of a know-it-all. Like, I love I loved her. But I was like when I was like, hey, I think I'm trans. She's like, of course. Yeah, always. Uh, I talk to a lot of trans people. You know what (laughs) I mean? Like, so then I actually have not talked about this on the show at all. And I have talked about this with people and they have been like, (laughs) they've had the response of like, uh, yeah, obviously in a way that I didn't, uh, I, I, I take as a compliment and also kind of a funny thing. But like, I started looking into like, if I'm autistic and I started seeing a therapist, with that in mind. And she kind of has been the one I've been seeing now she's younger and she's very thoughtful and she's kind of been more like, yeah, that seems to be the case. And like, let's work on with that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So more so now I went to a therapist that's more of like an autism expert, um, which has uh, been extremely helpful. And she also isn't as aggressive as my other therapist. Like she's more, I'll like talk and then I'll say, well, what do you think? And then she says, like, these very gentle, nice, like, smart things. Like, uh, she put together, this is not, this doesn't have to do with autism, but she was like, my last relationship, I was very, not surveilled, but it was like, you had to, I had to check in a lot. Mm -hmm. And my current boyfriend, he is a person who has location sharing on with everyone, every friend. All It's not like a, big deal. It's like they all share their locations. And we shared location because I was like, yeah, he does that with everyone. And she I was talking about feeling anxious and feeling like certain ways about my last relationship. And she put together she was like, well, do you think that maybe having location sharing with this current partner triggers anxiety about being surveilled? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my God. And she so literally the fix was like to to ask him if I could stop location sharing. And I thought he was going to be so upset, but he was like, yeah, that's fine. We can absolutely turn that off. I just do it by default. And I was like, oh my God, he's okay with me not location sharing. That's huge. Like that, like he was like, trusted me for like where I was going and all that. But I would never like, this was this therapist put together being like, maybe your anxiety comes from feeling like your partner has to know where you are at all times and you should just like not location share. And then it like completely eliminated that anxiety. She's not yelling at me about radical queer (laughs) politics. She's just sort of gently at the end of my monologue going, well, maybe it's this. Do you think?
3: Yeah. I mean, that's what's so tricky. Like you have to remember that your relationship with your therapist is unlike any other relationship. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess like a doctor, but like, it is not a two-way street. Do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And so I think when it comes to like disclosing the weed usage, like coming from a place of reminding yourself that you are the expert in your own life, that you get to be in the driver's seat in therapy. I mean, obviously there are times when people are in crisis where like, you know, they need more assistance and Mm -hmm. and maybe they aren't able to be in control of their self. But it doesn't doesn't seem like you're in crisis um, or having some kind of, break you know psychotic episode or anything so and so in that situation like it's really just remembering that they're there to serve you right and so if if like this is something that you want for yourself like the thing is is like something i've really learned is that like i can't make changes even if i want to make them until i'm ready to make them yes like i can't make changes on other people's timelines and then all that happens is when I try to do that is that I fail and then I feel terrible.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, So like
3: there might come a day where you decide like, I don't want to use weed anymore for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that that will look very different than I'm not going to use weed anymore because someone else told me to.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: And then this is something that I really struggle with. And I go back and forth with in my head a lot because I'm a daily weed user and I do it a lot for my anxiety and I have a lot of nighttime anxiety. And so something that I try to really keep track of is, are there consequences to this action? Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that smoking weed I has consequences because of like, you shouldn't really smoke anything. Right. And so a way that I've tried to like do some harm prevention around that is like, I got this vape That is, you know, it's still smoking. You still shouldn't smoke anything, obviously, I in an ideal world, but it's very different than when I was smoking a joint. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that to me was like a harm reduction approach from switching to joints or pipes to a vape. Um, that like is like a special vape that like you use pure flour, you're not using oil. Oh, interesting. Um, and so you're and it's like in a biodegradable little like flour stick. So all that's happening is that this like machine is like heating flour to like the minimum degree so it's not being overheated. And like, it's technically like the healthiest way to, you know, like obviously it's still risk. And then trying to use gummies when I can instead of to to limit the Mm -hmm. amount of smoke. So like if you're worried about the health part of it, that's like a, a workaround. I think if you can go to a full gummy or edible lifestyle, then that's a great workaround of like not, you know, but that's more physical health. And then with the mental health of it all, I think it is like it's really hard because like I take. Trintellix every day
1: and I'm like saying. nobody
3: is mad at me about taking Trintellix like, every it's day. Medicine.
1: It's helping you get through the day. Like honestly, if you, I mean, I take Lamotrigine, Sertraline, like Seroquel, like I'm on tons of meds for bipolar disorder and like nobody would be like, go off of those. Like, I think like, well, I mean, probably the church of Scientology would say go off of those, <laughs> but I'm just saying like, you know, it's, if, if you're still You touched on something that's um, big in the addiction community, which is in some ways with alcoholism, what I've learned from my dad is it's not how much you drink. It's what happens when you drink. So like, it's not how much weed you're doing. It's, are you able to function? Are you able to have friendships? Are you able to have relationships? Are you able to finish your work? Like that kind of stuff. And if you are, okay, then it's like your medicine. I don't know what to tell you.
3: And I think it makes sense to not necessarily like feeling dependent on something. Like I definitely worry about that. I worry about oh, if I'm ever pregnant, will that be like so jarring for me to suddenly not be able to engage with weed?
1: But But, you have to go off antidepressants to get pregnant too.
3: Not all antidepressants. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, which is something people really should know that there are antidepressants you can stay on Mm then while you're pregnant. Um And and yeah, and I mean, I I think and it's hard, right, because I'm like, well, how much of this is just like other people's bias that is clouding my mind around my daily use? And how much of it is me feeling like maybe this is something that I, I, I should be weaning myself off of. But I think it's like it's also what are the what is the context of your life right now? You know, like if you're in a period of time where things are really stressful, taking away a major coping mechanism might be a little disastrous versus if you're in a time where like things are pretty calm you don't have any major life stressors you can maybe add a bit more exercise into your day because i know for me i get like restless at night and Mm -hmm. so like i I think if i were to transition off like being able to tire out my body a bit more would help um and so like looking for periods of time where it makes sense. And then you also are replacing it with something else. Because we've talked about before, you cannot just remove a coping mechanism Mm -hmm. and leave that hole. You have to have something to fill it with.
1: Meditation, something. Um,
3: And so like kind of having some things of like, you know, like, okay, if I'm at home all night, maybe I'm going to engage with the weed. But if I'm out to dinner until 10 p.m. and I come home, maybe that night I don't need it because I'm going right to bed. Do you know?
1: I also wonder, you know, it's that thing of like, oh, well, what's your real personality? Like if you weren't on, you know, if you weren't on your meds, like we would have your real personality. If you weren't on weed, we would have your real personality. But like, life is so hard. And sometimes I think that same thing of like, maybe this is eliminating an anxious cloud and we are seeing you, you know what I mean? Like, if it helps you be able to function and and like engage and it takes away like why are we white knuckling through an edge you know what I mean life's hard
3: yeah and I mean the other thing is to just like to keep track of like you know I have a really good friend who was a a stoner like a very active weed user and then he started to like panic from it and his relationship to the drug changed and so now he doesn't partake in weed mm-hmm. and so just like also checking in with your body like is this still serving me are there bad side effects is this causing me to you know sleep through my alarm is this causing me to like not engage as socially as I want to right, right. versus like actually there doesn't really seem to be any fallout other than mm-hmm. positives you mm-hmm, know because those mm-hmm. are two totally different things mm-hmm. and and also just like allowing for that like your relationship with it today doesn't need to be your relationship with it always and yeah. if there's You know, taking that harm reduction approach like I just was talking about of like making it from seven days a week to five days a week, Mm -hmm. like that there's more flexibility and like your approach to it than um, yes and no. And then I think with the therapist of it all, it's again, just reminding that they're there for you. Mm -hmm. You're the expert Mm -hmm. and like being able to have that conversation is going to make therapy more effective, right? Because when you have a barrier with your therapist and you're not being honest, like you're paying this money and it's maybe not working as well Mm -hmm. as it would be as Mm -hmm. if you were open. Mm -hmm. And if for whatever reason, she has a big pushback on you, you are valid to say, this feels uncomfortable. I feel very judged by you right now. And feeling judged in a session is not what's going to help me grow and heal. Judgment Mm -hmm. is not Mm -hmm. something that I flourish under.
1: Therapists are people. She might have a situation where in her mind, she's like, I don't know, or like a, a her uncle went to jail for weed. So she has this idea. You know what I mean? Like therapists have all are coming from all kinds of personal places.
3: You're allowed to put them in their place sometimes. Hell yeah. <laughs> so hopefully that helps. If you want to submit your international question, you can send an email to justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. That's p o d at gmail.com.
1: Up next, we've got an amazing, exciting, tantalizing interview with our highly esteemed guest, Zachary Zane. So stay tuned.
2: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: Has dealing with stress and trying to get more focused a New Year's resolution you haven't cracked yet or don't really know how to fix? I have a lot of trouble staying focused, and I also get super stressed out, and I think that not being able to stay focused really dovetails with that. So if there was a way for me to keep my focus that didn't also cause my brain to get so scattered with stress, I would love to be able to fix it. I sometimes can't focus on the task at hand because I'm so busy realizing that there are things I need to do on the Just Between Us Instagram account. So I'll be like fully writing something, and all of a sudden my brain will go, <gasps> JBU Instagram, have to post on social media. Truvega is a handheld product that stimulates the vagus nerve to improve overall health and wellness. Stimulating the vagus nerve with Truvega helps to balance and strengthen the nervous system, which reduces stress, increases focus, improves mood, and improves sleep. Truvega is owned by ElectroCore and uses its patented technology for overall health and wellness benefits. Its utilized technology is the most clinically studied and tested vagus nerve therapy available. Customizable sessions are only two minutes long. Recommended usage is one session in the morning and one at night. Truvega comes programmed with 350 sessions, which, if used twice a day, will last approximately six months. It's drug free and easy to use therapy to help improve your health. No app or phone is required. We offer free standard shipping, payment plan options, and a 30 day money back guarantee. It's only available in the U.S. at this time. Visit truevega.com t-r-u-v-a-g-a.com and enter promo code just between us to enhance your wellness journey support this podcast and receive 15 dollars off that's t-r-u-v-a-g-a.com check out promo code just between us
4: this is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design the kind of experience you can only find in a lexus suv a feeling this empowering is invite only fortunately you're invited
3: Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most
1: scandalous, most controversial segment known to all of podcasting, Tough Questions. This week on the show, we have Zachary Zane, a Brooklyn-based columnist, sex expert, and activist whose work focuses on sexuality, culture, and the LGBTQ community. He is the author of Boy Slut, a memoir and manifesto, which is out May 9th. He is also the founder and editor-in-chief of Boy Slut Zine, which publishes real sex stories from kinksters worldwide. Hello, Zach.
0: Hello. How are we doing?
1: Oh, good.
3: We're so excited to have you. We were talking the other day about how you are sort of like a weird, like, combo of the two of us. Like, you're like our strange child.
0: I really, (laughs) really am. Like, I absolutely am. And the moment you sit up, it it makes perfect sense. It really does.
1: How are you our son?
0: <laughs> I mean I look exactly like you guys, so yeah, it really does make sense. <laughs>
1: of course.
3: <laughs> no, I mean so we've both known you for years. Mm-hmm. Um you guys met doing like a bisexual tour of the White House. Is yes, that we true? <laughs> yes we did.
1: Yes we did.
0: That's a thing that we can say that uh-huh. like we were like uh, in the White House for being bisexual is essentially the premise of why we're uh, under Obama. Uh, not yes, Trump, yes. yes. Which under Obama.
1: <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> had terrifying. like a bi conference and they had us also in the White House and they did like a live stream for like bi awareness day, something. I don't know. Uh, and That's still one of the coolest things I feel like you've ever done. Yeah, it's crazy. That's I talked so on the live wild. stream. Yeah, my dad was super proud, but we met because we were, like, shit-talking it a little bit. (laughs) That
0: sounds like us, yes. (laughs) I will say no more than that. Correct.
3: (laughs) And then you interviewed me and my mother for a a piece years ago.
0: That was, yeah, because we were specifically talking about, um, yeah, growing up with OCD, something that Allison and I share. And interviewing you and your mom was actually incredible. We both have very supportive moms who really understood our OCD quite quickly and got us help at a time when therapy was not as common. Mm -hmm. And at a time when people, I kind of write about this in the book too, but my mom got me into therapy for my OCD at eight and all of her friends judged her for it. They thought it was like mere childhood eccentricities that he would grow out of. Um, And she was like, no, he needs he needs fucking help. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. He needs a lot of help.
1: Wow. <laughs> yeah.
3: And so this is just so thrilling because I remember like, oh, my gosh, it was like 2020, 2021 when you like reached out to me about the proposal for this book. And now it's like happening. And it's so exciting. And I, I feel like I want to just like dive into to begin with like the what it's like to be a bisexual man because I feel like there is of all of like the
0: well we don't exist right right. there's like no representation of that
3: so like can you kind of like talk about why that's so important and like why that like is such a through line in all of your work
0: yeah I'm writing because I haven't seen it seen like I haven't seen it done right if there were other people writing this content I wouldn't have felt compelled to write it the same way and when I started writing about bisexuality, and it was specifically male bisexuality, as I was writing from my perspective, almost a decade ago, we are not getting any younger. The only content out on like male bisexuality was like studies about like gay And by men spreading or having HIV Mm -hmm. or it was those like generic listicles uh, that were bisexual content for monosexuals like gay and straight people being like 10 things to never say to a bisexual person or 10 myths about bisexuality that don't exist. And while those pieces were important, like, that's not actually speaking to the bi community, the struggles that they face. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of filled this gap of being a bi person writing bi-specific issues. So how to deal with internalized biphobia, how to date while being bisexual, because there are a gajillion challenges that come with that. When can you call yourself bisexual? There's certain people who are like, I don't feel bi enough because... I'm predominantly attracted to one gender or sex. And really, I'm not sure if I would ever date the other one. And you know, so at what point can you actually call yourself this? So I was one of the first people to really speak to the issues that bi people were struggling with and facing. And that's how I became known as the bi guy Mm -hmm. and was a little pigeonholed. And initially I was a little bummed out by that. But then I'm like, no, this is what i want to reach and this is important the people i really want to be helping
1: well i think people write about it but speaking as a bi person as well there was a lot of respectability politics around it oh i'm bi but i'm monogamous oh i'm bi but i'm not a slut or whatever you know what i mean like there was this big push to be like put a good face on bisexuality so people uh you know treat us i don't know with respect even though we should have had that anyway but One thing I love about you is that you are utterly unpalatable.
0: So (laughs) you are the absolute worst, and that's what I love about
1: you. Like it's true. Like you, you're not someone. Like you're not someone who's like happy bye day. We're all valid peace signs. You're like writing stuff that's like four guys at a bar or like at a sauna came in my ass. You know what I mean? Like you're like writing shit that's like. Um, against, I think the ways that I think it pushed back on the predominant narrative of like, let's be bi, but let's be like little about it.
0: And there are two things about that. I learned I was not invited to certain events because I was deemed unpalatable, like by larger bi communities. I also make the distinction between stereotypes that are inherently bad and ones that are not like Mm -hmm. being slutty. There's nothing wrong with being slutty, being non-monogamous. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're saying we are cheaters, we are liars. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's actually a bad stereotype. The other ones, they're not actually inherently negative. Obviously, if you're generalizing an entire group and stereotyping us, that's not a good thing to do. Of course, we are all different and unique and some people are slutty and some are not. But, like, really differentiating between the stereotypes that are like, there's nothing wrong with being slutty or non-monogamous or kinky or whatever the fuck you want to be. Like, that's actually okay. So I'm going to embrace those stereotypes because they are true for me and there's nothing wrong with them.
1: I know. I had a whole thing of like when I was on BuzzFeed sort of dealing with the stereotype of like, okay, you're feeding into all bisexual people want threesomes, all bisexual people want to date all the genders. Like, you know, there was this sort of push back on me and then you've been really great because sometimes I feel like I do need to be a little bit like nicey nice. And then I'll see something you post and I'm like, nah, fuck it. (laughs) Oh, that makes me so happy
0: to hear. Good. Good. That's great. Great.
1: That's why I put that grinder screenshot on Instagram. I was like, you know what? What would Zach do? <laughs> it,
0: would, it would be that and then a picture of my asshole. So Absolutely. you're almost there. You're I'm, getting there. I'm you're getting so there, close. <laughs> you're close. You're so close.
3: I'd love to like, talk about like the mental health journey that's like kind of been in parallel with like the sexuality journey. And like, you know, because OCD is such a tricky thing, like. How has like OCD popped up for you in this and has it at all? Because I I can imagine like there's a lot of stereotypes around like, oh, but sex can be gross, especially like sex with strangers or like things where like people like can you kind of like explain like why that's not an issue for your OCD, if that makes sense?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's obviously I think people have a really misunderstanding of OCD, Allison, as of course, you know, and mine is not uh, necessarily related to hygiene or cleanliness. Uh, that That is not how my OCD manifests. But growing up, for example, one of the worst uh, symptoms and manifestations of my OCD was checking my alarm clock to make sure it was on. And I write about this. So I would check every 10 minutes to make sure my alarm clock was on. And immediately after you checked to make sure it was on, I would be like shaking in bed, wanting to immediately check it again to make sure it was on. So I was like not sleeping i I just never fucking slept which of course makes everything 10 billion times worse because you're not sleeping but like that is a way that it like manifested so it wasn't necessarily cleanliness um but in terms of the actual obsession as opposed to the compulsion component like the obsessions was manifesting with sexual guilt and sexual shame Mm. and the first chapter of the book is me in my therapist's office at eight years old crying because I'm imagining him naked and I can't stop imagining him naked and I was one of the things I struggled with was I would imagine everyone naked and feel so guilty about it and he was trying to explain to me like you're allowed to imagine people naked there's nothing wrong with that and to clarify like it wasn't like I'm imagining them naked like in a sexual context it wasn't like I wanted to have sex with these people I don't even think I fucking really understood what sex was at eight I just knew like nudity was bad And now I'm doing something that's bad that I can't control in my head. And now I feel shitty for it. So therefore, I keep doing it. So he was trying to explain to me that, like, it's okay to imagine people naked. You can imagine me naked. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that was kind of a way that my sexual shame intersected with my mental health struggles. And it's interesting because OCD can, you know, manifest in a gajillion ways. And I kind of delve into so why was it sex related? Of course, I don't exactly know the answer, but I think a huge part of it is just because sex negativity and sexual shame is so pervasive, and it is so insidious. You don't necessarily realize how much you're soaking up these messages from the media, culture, your friends, your family, teachers, and even though I had really sex-positive parents and I had uh, gay uncles on both sides of my family, my dad's brother and my mom's brother. I still had so much shame around my sexuality and my sexual desires, my sexual preferences. And I think it's a combination, again, of mental health struggles, but just the fucking society that we live in. You can't there's no way you can make it to an adult without having sexual shame.
1: We were talking about OCD with another guest a while ago, and it was like um, they were talking about how OCD can make you like repetitively question your sexuality. Like a lot of people are like, oh, oh my God, am I gay? Am I straight? Am I gay? Am I straight? Um, And I I didn't, I was like, wor- or like worrying. Am I gay? Am I gay? Am I a pedophile? Am I a pedophile? And I was like, I don't know. Those are
3: two different subsets. I know, yeah, yeah,
1: they're complete. Well, that's what I was saying at the time. I was like, that's really different. But did that, was that a thing for you where your OCD would kind of be like, am I gay? Am I straight? Am I gay? Am I straight?
0: Yes. And so it's called sexual orientation OCD. It, like, is a subset of OCD, and it's, like, so it's SO-OCD, and it actually made my therapist or psychiatrist when I was a teenager really shitty at treating me because he thought that when I said I might, like, I worried I was gay or bisexual, he immediately dismissed it as Mm SO-OCD, and, Mm -hmm. like, for so long, I was, like, pissed off at him for that. He also quoted that 2006 Northwestern. So like this happened literally at the end of 2006. So the 2006 Northwestern study, which concluded definitively that bisexual men don't exist through the study. And the study was looking at just like erection, arousal patterns, like Mm -hmm. one small subset of uh, sexuality and sexual identity to definitively conclude that bisexual men are not real. So he had just read that study. I also had OCD. So he just completely dismissed me. And that was really challenging. But like the back and forth, I don't know how much other people like, yes, I would literally be like, I am gay. I'm straight. I'm gay. And and I couldn't even allow myself to enjoy my first like same gender sexual experiences because I was just so in my head and being like, am I enjoying this? Am I not enjoying this? Well, I got hard. So that meant that I liked it, but I'm also 18 and a particularly plump tomato can get me erect <laughs> because I'm fucking 18. Like, like, so I don't the fight and his lips felt good around my dick, but it's also like that feels good because right. sensation pleasure. Like, but like I had like spent these like so many sleepless nights. I feel like an AI robot, like questioning my sentience, like being like. Like, am I gay? Am I bisexual? Am I straight? What am I? Like, like uh, it was just like fucking terrible. <laughs> like, that's the truth of it. And it's so funny when you're rewriting a book again, you get to relive these shitty experiences, which is a terrible thing about writing a book, as you both know. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I- I'm so far from that now. And that's mm-hmm. really awesome and incredible. And I like to remind myself of that. But like, Fuck, the number of sleepless nights mm-hmm. that I was just like, wide st- awake, staring at my ceiling, uh obsessing over my sexuality. Countless, countless hours, days. You know what I mean? And it's kind of sad to think about.
1: How did you grow to where you are now?
0: Uh, Therapy, <laughs> uh, of course, <laughs> yeah, yeah, is yeah. the short answer. But after college, and mind you, I've now hooked up blacked out because i had to be blacked out in order to hook up with guys it kind of gave me like plausible deniability yeah. i'd be like oh no i was so drunk so it doesn't count it's like n- n- no 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 and that that plenty of straight guys get drunk and they don't you know yeah f- d- fuck dudes yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? like, like no, no. or I'd be like oh i jacked off watching gay porn oh well i was drunk so it's like what oh, the fuck yeah. like no And so by the time I left college, I had gotten blown by a half dozen men made out with maybe 20 and even had penetrative anal sex with a guy and still was like, no, no, not sure about this. And it took my brother uh, who we are all more effeminate, more like my older brothers who are both straight. But so there were like gay rumors about them as they were about me. And he was like, I tried it in college. I maybe hooked up with two dudes just to see if I liked it. And I was experimenting, exploring, and realized, no, I'm, in fact, straight. You've been experimenting for five years. It's been <laughs> countless men. Like, at some point, that's no longer experimenting. And I was like, oh, God, I'm going to end up married to a man. And on our, like, 40th anniversary, be like, thank you for staying with me as I continue to explore and figure out my <laughs> sexuality. <laughs> like, like, that was a turning point. Mm-hmm. And, and that really, because I couldn't, as much as I was, like, able to rationalize and deny so many things, I, I just couldn't, like, logically argue with him. Like... Seemed pretty fucking gay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I sought out specifically an LGBTQ affirming therapist who was a lawyer previously for 20 years. And the reason why I picked him, and I was clear about this, I seek advice when I go to therapy, and a lot of therapists do not do that, right? They want you to come to it on your own volition. They guide you. They ask you questions. And I'm like, I, I like by the time you ask me what I think, I've thought it 50 times over. I don't know what the fuck I'm thinking. I have OCD. Like, like, like yeah, my brain's garbage or just jumbled up, you know what I mean? Like not garbage, but it's definitely jumbled to be like, I don't fucking know what's going on. So I'm like, I want direct advice. Even if it's bad or if it's wrong, I will not be mad. Mm -hmm. I I just need another perspective that is not my own. So my first session, I kind of went on this like monologue about how I think I'm gay and then I think I'm straight. I think I'm gay, I'm straight. And then on my second session, as I like almost just repeat the same monologue, he interrupts me. And he goes, Zach, you really wanted me to be blunt with you. So I'd like to be blunt if that's okay. And I go, please. He goes, you seem very clearly bisexual. Mm-hmm. Is there something that I am missing? And I quickly responded, oh, that doesn't exist in men. And his response, I'll never forget this, was, Zach, you're too smart to think that, mm-hmm. which I thought was such an interesting kind of almost like it was an ego hit, too, you know, yeah. like kind of smart in the way to do it. And he kind of granted me permission to be bisexual. And again, every bi guy I knew in college came out as gay shortly after. And there was not bisexual visibility anywhere. There weren't any fucking bi male mm-hmm. icons. And so even though I am egocentric, I'm not delusional. You know what I mean? I'm like, I can't be the only bi guy in the entire fucking world. Yeah. But he was like, Zach, of course this exists. And then from that... I was able to embrace my bisexuality, but not necessarily immediately. At first, I thought I was bi-dash sexual and heteroromantic, mm-hmm. meaning that I was like sexually attracted to people of all genders, but could only date and emotionally love uh women. And while that is a valid sexual orientation, that differentiation, for me that actually was a form of internalized biphobia and not accepting the fact that I actually could love. People of all genders. Mm. Um, so it took me a little bit longer to reach that point. But that's kind of how I how I got there.
3: And when did the polyamory of it all enter the chat? <laughs>
0: the, enter the chat. Um, so this is a interesting, I I entered polyamory for like all the wrong reasons, <laughs> which is great. And I, I'm i proud to say I was polyamorous before everyone and their mother was, which I feel like is now now the thing. Me like, too. I've been doing, like, I'm proud to say that. Uh, but actually, it doesn't matter. I'm being shitty. But like, um, <laughs> I broken up with my girlfriend at the time. And after that, it was a really hard breakup and just a, a tough relationship towards the end. But I, we were monogamous. And I wanted to go and start fucking a bunch of dudes again because that's awesome. And... <laughs> I I made it clear to the guys that I'm dating. I'm like, I really cannot have a serious relationship. Like, I, I'm still, I just want it to be casual. And both the guys I was seeing or whatever the fuck word you want to use asked me to be monogamous and be their boyfriend. And I was like, no, I made that clear. And the second one ended up like crying and yelling at me and saying I let him on. And I felt, of course, I felt bad for him, but I also was a little frustrated. I was like, no, I I fucking made this clear. But I'm like, because people are not getting what I'm saying, I'm not even going to go on dates. I'm just going to do fucking grinder hookups. They'll be in and out of my apartment in 20 minutes flat. I am not validating fucking parking. Get the fuck out. Mm -hmm. I'm never talking to you again. I'm just getting my rocks off. And I was enjoying that. That was a fun thing.
3: How old were you?
0: I was still relatively new to my bisexuality. I came out at 23. I dated her for a year so probably around 24. Okay. And again, guys were still new at this point or new-ish. But then I met this guy at a underground leather bar in Boston uh, <laughs> called Woo! Fascination. It's, I think it's still there. I think it reopened only recently because it shut down because of COVID. Fascination's the name of the party and it's at Jacques Cabaret. Jacques which is Cabaret. One of the fam- famous gay bars in Boston. Yeah. I
1: know Jacques.
0: And I was there. I was sleeping with this older French couple. And they were like enamored by my bisexuality. And they're like, Zach, you must meet this other bisexual person. That was the worst French accent that's ever existed. (laughs) Um, So I I meet this other dude and it was so awkward. He's like, oh, you're bi? I'm bi. And I'm like, yeah. What the fuck do I say now? You know, (laughs) it's it's kind of hard being bi sometimes. Am I right? Like, like, what the fuck? But he introduced me to his then boyfriend and then informed me that he had a wife and girlfriend who he lived with. Uh, I, I paused and I thought about it and I responded, are you happy? And he goes, what? I go, are you happy with this arrangement? Then he pauses and thinks and goes, yeah, I really am. And so I say, you know, I I write LGBT content. I just started off as like a writer then writing more listicles that had more gifts than words in the articles I was writing. But I was like, hey, I really think polyamory is misunderstood. I'd love to interview you. And it was funny. I think that was one of the points. Like, he really liked me because of that question. I think when most people hear you're polyamorous, you're like, oh, how do you navigate jealousy? How do you deal with this? And for me to not say that, I think he really appreciated it. Anyway, so he invited me over for, like, family game night. And I remember being like, is this, like, a sex party? I have no fucking clue. Like, (laughs) are they, like... like, I like, I know that I just learned that, like, oh, they're actually just super fucking dorky and nerdy. And they, poly people love their fucking dorky ass games and it's awesome. You know what I mean? Like, so it actually was family game night. And I remember, ironically, seeing them and thinking polyamory was not right for me. Cause I felt that, like, when he complimented his wife, he would then immediately have to compliment his girlfriend and felt like everything was equal, equal. Oh, he kisses one, he kisses the other. And it felt like, you know, behind this, these grinning facades of these people, I'm like, there must be a lot of communication and struggle and jealousy. And I don't want to have to feel like everything's completely equal. And for what it's worth, everything does not have to be completely equal Mm -hmm. in polyamory. You can have completely different relationships with partners. They just did it in that way. And because they were my first introduction to it, I thought that's what all of what polyamory was. Mm -hmm. But I remember doing this and thinking that, no, no, this isn't for me. But they kept inviting me around and I liked the games they played. So I kept going. And then, uh, oh, what do I call him in the book? Fuck, what's his fake name? Um, Connor or Colin. I forgot. <laughs> we changed the names in the yeah. book at the last minute. Although he was insisting, he's like, no, I want to be famous. Like, please keep my name. And I'm like, the legal team will not let me keep your name. <laughs> I do have to change <laughs> it. Um, but so I, I think I do Connor um, or Colin. And he eventually. After like hanging out a bunch of times, invited me out on a date. And I was very confused by that because he didn't seem to have any romantic interest. And I was in my no dating phase. But I agreed because I thought things could not get serious. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this man has a wife and... Girlfriend he lives with, a boyfriend he doesn't live with, and then just like a dozen other secondary and like tertiary partners. The man can't breathe. He doesn't have time to date anyone else. So I'm like, this felt very safe as someone who was not looking for a committed relationship of course we had a date and went amazingly and then one led to two and two led to two more and before i knew it i was seeing him five days a week and in this committed relationship but like i almost went into it because i went into polyamory because i am going to have an avoidant personality attachment style and i thought it was safe and that's not why you go into polyamory you don't go into it because you want less love you go into it because you want more love but so that was my introduction to it but then through that I actually understood what polyamory was about and really loved it. And again, while there are plenty of bisexual people who are happily monogamous and can be monogamous, it is important to me to have relationships, both romantic and sexual, with people of all genders. That does satisfy different needs for me. So I really need that. And even now, as I'm figuring out my polyamorous structures Oh, and over time, I've been more like relationship anarchist. And then I do hierarchical. I can never say that word, hierarchical poly. I've been in open relationships, figuring out what it is. No matter what I am at any point, it always will still be ethically non-monogamous in some capacity. Monogamy is no longer on the table.
1: I'm, I'm thinking back to when I met you and you were living with that guy, I think.
0: I was, I was in Boston. Yeah, yeah. I was living with uh, Connor slash Colin.
1: Yes, I remember. I think people think that, you have to separate like I remember feeling a lot of pressure to be like I'm bi but that's not why I'm polyamorous and now I'm like yeah it is why
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's exactly why I fucking am and that goes back to respectability politics like um there are many reasons to be poly and my polyamorous and bisexual identities intersect greatly and that's important to me
1: we're gonna take a quick break for commercials and we'll be right back with our guest Has dealing with stress and trying to get more focused a New Year's resolution you haven't cracked yet or don't really know how to fix? I have a lot of trouble staying focused and I also get super stressed out and I think the not being able to stay focused really dovetails with that. So if there was a way for me to keep my focus that didn't also cause my brain to get so scattered with stress, I would love to be able to fix it. I sometimes can't focus on the task at hand because I'm so busy realizing that there are things I need to do on the Just Between Us Instagram account. So I'll be like fully writing something, and all of a sudden my brain will go, oh, JBU Instagram, have to post on social media. Truvega is a handheld product that stimulates the vagus nerve to improve overall health and wellness. Stimulating the vagus nerve with Truvega helps to balance and strengthen the nervous system, which reduces stress, increases focus, improves mood, and improves sleep. Truvega is owned by ElectroCorps and uses its patented technology for overall health and wellness benefits. Its utilized technology is the most clinically studied and tested vagus nerve therapy available. Customizable sessions are only two minutes long. Recommended usage is one session in the morning and one at night. Truvega comes programmed with 350 sessions, which, if used twice a day, will last approximately six months. It's drug-free and easy-to-use therapy to help improve your health. No app or phone is required. We offer free standard shipping, payment plan options, and a 30-day money-back guarantee. It's only available in the U.S. at this time. Visit truevega.com, T-R-U-V-A-G-A.com, and enter promo code JUSTBETWEENUS to enhance your wellness journey, support this podcast, and receive $15 off. That's T-R-U-V-A-G-A.com. Check out promo code JUSTBETWEENUS. Why call the book Boy Slut?
0: Oh, I love that fucking title. Uh, it is so good. Uh, a few reasons. I think part of it was also just me reclaiming a it, it, like people are sometimes a little bit confused why I am, you know, a cis man is reclaiming this word that has not been used to uh, by this word. I mean, slut yeah. that's not been used to attack me versus it's been used to control woman for forever but I do believe in the power of reclamation. I do believe that in calling myself a slut, I expose the double standard aspect of it. And then, yeah, in the reclamation stuff, you know, I also call myself a queer faggot, which are two words that we've reclaimed ourselves. But I I do this in the hopes to kind of make sluttiness less gendered and to make it more positive. The reason why I boy in front of it is because like um it, it did feel slightly weird just to call it slut as a man. And man slut kind of felt a little more aggressive versus boy slut is a little bit more playful, at least in my mind. That feels like less like, oh, he's a man slut. You'd be like, OK, like, that's, <laughs> Jesus, fuck, like boy sluts a little bit more playful. So that's why we ended up going with um with that.
3: And when you're making a book like this, you know, you have your whole life to pull from and probably a lot of stories that didn't make it in. So how did you figure out? what you wanted to include and, like, what you wanted readers to walk away with.
0: I mean, it's anything that goes back to my overarching, uh, like, narrative arc, which was, like, how to overcome sexual shame. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was the larger thing. So stories that particularly pertained to that. Although, again, there are some chapters that diverge from that. But I also wanted to showcase things that i just hadn't seen elsewhere so i really had you have a chapter on bisexuality and it's a divergence from the other format of the book because the way it's framed is it's like all maybe like 20 things that people have said to me when i've come out to them as bisexual or revealed my bisexuality these very infuriating invasive biphobic ignorant or well-intended questions and how i have responded to it and how i wish i responded to it and i just never seen anything like that i have a chapter on grinder and hookup culture and when i say grinder i mean all like gay by hookup apps grinder sniffies scruff Mm -hmm. jacked squirt whatever fucking aggressive weird names they have like um and i hadn't seen while there's been like essays on grinder before the real way i delve into the nitty-gritty of it i had not seen So I really only wanted to include things that just I had not seen elsewhere in any capacity. So there were certain like things that were fun and like well written about how to overcome sexual shame. But I'm like, you know what, this story, I've kind of seen it done before. So I really just want it to be new and different content. And I think one of the biggest compliments I've been getting about my book at least in my mind, a compliment is just like, I've never read anything like this. Mm-hmm. And I'm really proud of that. I really did not want this to be like anything else you've ever read.
1: I mean, it's so funny to be so full of sexual shame and then to just be writing Go balls
0: to the fucking walls,
1: balls to the wall. Like every experience is, you know, like you and and stuff that is Taboo that I think like I, I've been really. In, I mean, I've subscribed to your mag, your newsletter.
4: Thank you. And Thank like
1: you. I remember the, the one about going to the um, nudist resort and hooking up with the older couple, and I was like. Yeah. You never see older people portrayed as sexy in that way. Like hooking up in the plane or whatever it it is that you did. Oh, yeah. I
0: did that with Ryan Keely. That was like a press trip where I invited a porn star friend on this like private jet. Jet is a word. It is a small plane with one small twin mattress, some rose petals, and you get to join the Mile High Club. And that was... (laughs) Pretty hilarious. That was just an absolutely hilarious thing. I'm like, oh, I got paid for this. This is literally my job, uh, which is wild, truly wild.
1: How has it been writing about these these things that are more like taboo rather than just sort of the sex in the city sex writing kind of thing?
0: Writing about sex feels comfortable for me oh. in a way. And people misconstrue often. They're like, oh, Zach is so open. And it's like, I'm actually not that open. I write about graphic sex. But if you look at my Instagram or Twitter content, it's very fun and playful and slutty. I'm not talking about my relationship with my family. I'm not talking about my parents. I'm not talking. I really don't discuss breakups either.
1: It's a fun persona.
0: It's a fun persona. But I think people misconstrue my openness with sexuality for general openness. And that was something that I struggled with with writing this book where I'm like, oh, this shit is. Not just graphic sex stories. In fact, for it's like people, I hope people who subscribe to my zine, I've made it clear. I'm like, it is not just the raunchy shit that you see in my (laughs) zine. Like, this is like an actual like book that, like, I like me uh, on my hero's journey and overcoming sexual shame and what you can learn. Like, it's not just like raunch and porn. But I remember after the first draft calling up my uh, editor and I'm like, for a book about sex, this isn't that sexy. Yeah. I think we need to add some like actual sex content to make it sexier. But yeah, what was challenging with the book was talking about, you know, my OCD, and that was more challenging. My right. sexual shame, a lot of the shitty things I done did to partners, and again, it was never on purpose. It was never malicious. And you know, I think everyone in their twenties are constantly fucking up with dating and relationships, and we're still fucking up at any age. Um, but like going back and writing about the people who I ghosted, or the people who I slut shamed, or the people I treated like shit that I usually do not share. And fuck, it was tough reliving that. That was a challenging aspect of writing this book, sharing these things that I actually don't share uh, elsewhere.
1: Yeah, I think people think sex and sex writing, talking about that is like, oh wow, you're so open, you're so brave. And I'm like, you don't even know. You don't even know the, like the mental health part of your book is probably way more vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Mine was the opposite. <laughs> Allison was the but, which opposite. Which is so funny. I
1: was going to
0: like, like literally saying like that's like what Allison does, and I find it so like <laughs> brave and, and fucking uh, incredible. And it's so funny that your response, is like, oh my god, the sex stuff is brave and
3: incredible. Yeah. So well, that I had that one yeah. chapter in my book that I had to like pretend I never wrote. Yeah, because yeah. I like I, I feel so like I, I feel like very uncomfortable that that's out there. But I also knew that like I had to do it. And yeah. like but when I'm getting interviewed and stuff like when I when people start like I can tell that they're going to bring up like that part of the book. I like get like very uncomfortable and I have to be like, it's OK. But I think a lot of that is just because I know my parents listen. To
0: everything. <laughs> <It's>, I, <laughs> I am going to have to physically cut out chapters of the book so they do not read it. Oh, yeah, you talking about your
1: grandma reading it. She's going to have a heart attack and die. Like I, She can't fucking read this, but she's 91. Like, what the fuck?
0: She can't read. She's like, Zach, I bought five copies. I'm like, burn them. I'm like, thank you, <laughs> thank you for buying them. And I do, pre-sale orders are extremely important to the world. Everyone please buy. But like, no, like you can't fucking read this, grandma. I'm really sorry. My like, thing was
1: like, <sighs> my, my thing I had to let go of was just like, listen, you chose to let li- you chose to read it. You chose to listen to it. That's your fault. It, it's the rule that I
0: have. I'm like, if you guys uh, feel like you have to read this and y- they're nosy Jewish parents, I feel like mm-hmm. they will. Like, um, we are never allowed to discuss it.
4: Exactly, You're allowed to read
0: it and that's <laughs> it. And we have to pretend that never existed. I do not want to sit down. Co- I have a chapter called Cocaine Turned Me Bisexual. Like, <laughs> like it, it's literally. And that chapter is about the first time I did coke was the first time I had penetrative anal sex with a man but it's you know a jumping off point to the larger theme of sexual shame and needing drugs and yeah. powdered courage and liquid courage in order to explore my sexuality and the relationship that queer men have with drug use and sex right mm-hmm. so like yes it's a incendiary title if you will or a ridiculous title but like no the actual sentiment is quite important i'm delving into these larger issues but my mom's gonna read about me snorting lines and fucking a dude raw in the ass so like you know like okay like i have no other no further comments mom i don't think we need to have a conversation about this
3: oh my gosh well we are so excited for you we're also so excited because we're each hosting a book event
1: yes which yes. is so thrilling allison's doing the one in la uh and i'm doing the one in san francisco and i imagine we're going out afterwards Oh yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Sadly not.
0: (laughs) not, Well, luckily not the one. So May sixteenth is Los Angeles, and it's at Book Soup, which is on Sunset uh, in Hollywood. And then that's why we can't party because the next morning I do have to fly out to SF with Gabe. Uh, Yeah,
3: that's why. That's why. Not my nine p.m. bedtime.
0: (laughs) I know you really wanted to do cocaine and have gay sex. So so because of that, because of that, I'm sorry that we have to cut short early. And then where's the one? The 17th is on Booksmith in uh, San Francisco, and that's the one on the 17th. So back to back. I'm um, extremely
1: excited. I will be in SF for a full 24 hours if anyone wants to hook up.
0: Oh, we're going, (laughs) yes. First of all, me. I would like to hook up, Gabe. It's me. Again? Uh, again, again, if we must. Uh, no, uh, no, we're definitely going to... Because after that, that's my last stop for, like, uh, I think two weeks until Pride. So we can go... Okay, we're going um, to wild. Yeah, we, we, we can rage. Ooh. We can go nuts.
3: This has been perfectly suited to both of our I know, personalities. Right? <laughs> it's lovely. It worked
0: out
4: perfectly.
3: I don't have to fly. I get to go to bed early. Yep. You get a whole adventure. Yep. <laughs> okay now it's time for my favorite adventure which is the game hypotheticals
1: are you so excited i
0: love your hypotheticals i allison i fucking love them and every time like did this actually happen you're like no they actually are hypotheticals every time like this is too good this is this must have happened They're they're sometimes
3: inspired by real life, but often I don't know where they come from. (laughs) Her brain is incredible. (laughs) Truly. Okay. So our first game is, uh, oh, I should explain the rules for people who don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, you two will be my, you two will be my contestants. I'll give you a series of hypothetical situations. You can ask any clarifying questions you might have. And then you tell me what you would do in that situation. And I pick a winner.
4: Perfect. We're going to
1: find out how who thinks like who now. We're yes, going to exactly. find out where it all intersects.
0: <laughs> where I come from mom and where I come from dad. Because exactly. I am a child. So, <laughs> so, so we'll learn shortly.
3: Yes. Okay, so our first game is America's favorite game show. Would you stay with this cheater? During an alien invasion, <laughs> an alien took over your body and mind oh, for gosh. three whole weeks before the resistance fighters got it back for you. By operating on your brain and pulling the tiny alien out. During those three weeks, your partner of 19 years started up a love affair with another resistance fighter who looks very similar to you, but called things off when you got your mind and body back. Would you stay with this cheater? What in
1: the Star Wars? (laughs) It's
3: I I mean, as someone
0: as someone who's polyamorous, um, I, I, I think like. I'm almost I'm almost going to respond from this as a monogamous. mindset. Yeah, this, in I, I this, this game, think, you're right, in
2: a
1: monogamous relationship.
0: Um, y- I, I think intent is what matters. And if they were brainwashed, I absolutely. no, they, buy- weren't
1: they weren't brainwashed. I was brainwashed. You were
3: not present because you were being controlled by a tiny alien in your brain. So it was sort of like you weren't around. So they found oh. love with this other person during those three weeks.
0: It took three. No, what the fuck? Uh, Absolutely not. I'm sorry. You you left after three. uh, I was I have an alien in my I'm a little off for like a few days and you move on immediately during an alien invasion. No, I do not take this person back.
1: Okay. question. What was my prognosis? Did they think I was going to die? Did they think that they could be able to take the alien out of me?
3: So the technology to extract the alien existed. They knew that they had gotten people back. Right. But they would have to catch you.
1: Oh, and I'm on the run. You're on the run. Okay, interesting. (laughs) So, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out if my partner reasonably could think.
3: Like, there was a chance you were definitely coming back.
1: Okay, okay because like it's kind of like a castaway situation like are you coming back are you not coming back how long mm. do you wait you know what I yeah. mean well
3: they were actively involved in trying to get you back like they were part of the resistance fight how
1: did they fucking have time to have a relationship then uh, y- well,
3: there was a lot of
2: they had
0: a romance they got locked in a room while the aliens were around them yes. and of course they had to kiss because that made the most sense to do in this scenario they didn't in this spend- very true scenario
1: <laughs> they didn't spend every waking hour looking for me no they also wow. A love affair. That's, wow, that's fucked up. I think we leave, right? Yeah, absolutely.
0: I I would put my brain bug back in their brain. See how they like it. They get my alien bug.
1: Also, okay, uh, an important point that you brought up that we have not brought up is that person looks just like me. Yeah. Kind of flattering. It is. Yeah. How do you feel, Zach, in general, <laughs> if you have a partner and they start hooking up with someone and that person is exactly your do you want them to be your type or do you want them to be hooking up with someone who looks nothing like you?
0: I mean, of course, it's whatever my partner wants and makes them happy and that'll bullshit. But like, <laughs> if I'm being honest, I I had recently happened where like uh, I have an ex who dates who dated someone who now just looks like Very similar to me, where I'm like, oh, I have those shoes and (laughs) belt, and we're the same height, and this, and the glasses. I was like, that is bizarre, but that's an X. That's a different scenario. Um, I do uh, like again, I whatever makes my partner happy, like that is truthfully what matters. But I do find it slightly weird when if it was someone who looks similar to me. I feel like the whole point is. To get someone that offers you something different and if they're yeah. offering the same exact thing that I offer, whether it is looks or personality or anything else, like why <laughs> y- you know what i mean <laughs> um so i would prefer if they were different look different acted different, something that they're offering something that I cannot, and that makes more sense to as to why they're dating them
3: that yeah makes sense you must love it when they look like you game. <laughs>
1: It depends. <laughs> it depends. Because I also, I'm like not my own type really. So I, but I like.
3: You look just like your boyfriend. No, yeah, I don't. Yeah. yeah, you do. My boyfriend yeah. now? Yeah. No, yeah. we
1: don't. Yeah.
0: You don't look just like. No, but we like look it very is... similar. Yeah. No, I'm with Allison on this one. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah.
1: But I didn't look similar to Mal. <laughs> A little. What the fuck?
3: Wow. Yeah. But you, you know, you love yourself and that's beautiful.
1: Oh my God. Okay. But the girl I'm dating doesn't look like me. That's true. Okay. So there we go. Plausible deniability. (laughs) There we go.
3: Okay. Our next one. Are you a terrible parent? You were away. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am. You were away on your first vacation without your child, five. They miss you so much that they FaceTime you almost every 20 minutes. It's preventing you from relaxing. So in a moment of impulsivity, you throw your phone in the ocean. You still have a laptop and hotel phone back at the room. Are you a terrible parent?
1: Right in the ocean?
3: Yeah, because you figure if you have the cell phone, you're always going to answer. But if you don't have the cell phone, they can't reach you.
1: <laughs> this is what was happening at your bachelorette party. It
3: was so cute. My nieces kept calling my sister. Yeah. I was like, I was like, oh. Joss, they're obsessed with you. And she was like, well, all kids are obsessed with their parents. I was no. like, I don't
1: know. <laughs> like, They really like They you. really, she was calling like all the time. Also the cutest thing. She's like talking the well, nieces. two of them. One of them was talking to the sister. And then I was, we were walking and then I heard her go, I want to talk to Allison. No, they and call me Aunt Allie. Like, Aunt, I don't know, whatever. She was like, I want to talk to Allison. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. She called to talk to you.
3: <laughs> She's Yeah, that was Bella. I just <laughs> thought it was really sweet.
0: Oh, and congrats, by the way, Allison.
4: Oh, thank you. It,
0: this is your uh, first ing, just joking. Uh, but it's, uh, but
4: um, everyone no,
1: here has had a broken engagement. <laughs> Woo. Yes,
3: yes. Not everyone here. No, me and you. Oh, everyone yeah. on this particular couch. On this couch. But Melissa hasn't. Right. Melissa's just been proposed to.
1: and turned it down.
3: <laughs> Hair flip. Right? Yeah. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I know. So are we a terrible oh. parent? I mean, it just sucks because, like, am I wealthy? Can I get another phone? Yeah. All right. Fine. Exactly. But am Wait, I going to pick up? Oh, Fine v- oh, v- meaning so. you are or not a terrible parent? I think I'm not a terrible parent because I'm protecting my peace. It's... I don't think
0: you're a terrible parent. I think you should have probably not done that. I, I don't I don't think that was a smart decision. And I think you can hey honey, I love you, I miss you too. Mommy now uh broke her phone so it could only FaceTime when she's back in the room. So I'm not gonna be able to FaceTime now. So you're gonna be a big boy and be able to do this yourself. You know what I mean? Like yeah. but like she mom or dad got a little frustrated, threw the phone in the water. Again, not ideal. <laughs> But uh, to say it, no, I, I think that's completely OK. Like, you know what's cute? It happens.
1: Here's a tip for parents. So oh. when I was uh, when I was younger as a parent yourself. <laughs> yeah, here's the tip. No, when I was younger, uh, my parents went to Italy for two weeks and this was like in the 90s. So you couldn't even really talk to them. So they were gone for like two weeks. They went to Italy and they had me and my sister make a paper chain of like all the days they were going to be gone, like these little construction paper chains. And then every day we would take off, we would rip one of the chains off so that we would know how close it was for them to come back. So it was like That's really, nice. yeah. So it was, so it was yeah. like really good because we couldn't like be in touch with them really at all. But we knew like, so we would go, okay, five more days. Okay, four more days. So we could like see the chain getting smaller. And I think that was good because it kept us from being like, you know, in an anxiety tizzy, like when are they coming back?
3: Yeah. Wow, that's a tip. Like that. Power to them to
1: leave their two kids for two weeks. Yeah, they went. They went to Florence. They, they went exhausted. to Rome. They were having a great time. I was <laughs> with my grandma. It was crazy. Yeah, I don't think you're like a terrible
3: parent, but I really don't think you should do this.
1: No, <laughs> try to make a paper chain so they're not so anxious about when you're coming back. That's my that's, that's my a tip. Good
3: tip. I think that might be your best parenting tip so far, <sighs> years into this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> okay, our final one is this a date? You are invited to your high school's 20-year reunion and decide to go even though you live two hours away now. Mm. After you reply that you are going and make a joke about the long drive on the Facebook event page, your number one high school crush, who you never really talked to, emails to ask if you want to carpool because you live somewhat close to each other. Is this a date? (gasps) Dum, dum,
0: dum. Mm. Oh, this one's tougher. Right? This one is tougher. I, th- the answer is uh, you don't know. Uh, I, I don't think there's a way to know. And I think maybe the guy or the person who uh, messaged them like did that on purpose because oh. maybe if, if it went poorly, y- you can easily just be like we are carpooling if it didn't go poor, But if it's a date, it's a little bit more formal. I'm inclined to say if I had to give a yes or a no, I'm inclined to say no, but with the potential for it turning into a date.
3: Mm, way to circumvent the rules of the game, Zach. Yeah, you, <laughs>
1: give you a,
0: not an acceptable answer.
1: Gabe, do me and this person share a sexuality?
3: Yes. Like
1: you would be. A, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Are they single? Yeah. And what was our relationship in high school?
3: Like, you'd say hello in the halls, but you were never really close, but you had, like, a major crush on them.
1: Did they have a car? In high school? No, no, no. Like, now.
3: Yeah. Wh- whose car do they want to use? Uh, they want to use... Well, you live a little further away, so you were going to pick them up on the way.
1: I wonder if they're using me for the car. Ooh. Are they going to do gas? Are they going to pay for gas?
3: Yeah. Melissa nodded. That absolutely, they're paying for gas for two hours. I feel like you don't have to pay for gas, but okay.
1: And then you're not staying the night in the, no. that town. <sighs> no, if you are
0: staying the night, that's
1: that's a date.
0: That that's a that's a fuck date. Yeah, <laughs> <that's, laughs> <you> got go <laughs> like to sharing
1: like that, that, a room. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's something. I think it's a pre date because you're feeling each other out. You're seeing Fine. if there's a vibe. I think it's a I think it's a date in terms of like vibes.
3: Okay, like anything cheated and that's fine. (laughs) But you should know as soon as they get in the car, they do kiss you. (laughs)
1: Ah, that's amazing. We don't even need to go to this reunion. It feels
3: aggressive though. You haven't seen them in 20 years.
0: Kiss on the cheek, kiss on the forehead, kiss on the lips.
3: Open mouth, kiss on the lips. (laughs) Okay.
0: We're not making it to the reunion. That's (laughs) what I'm saying. I'll tell you right now. We're Uh, going right back in the house. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> oh my God, I forgot something. Can you reach for this thing up here that I can't reach in the house that I live in? Yes. Um, yeah. they like, yeah, yeah, sure.
1: Yes. <laughs> I love that. That's the only point of going to the reunion is to see who's hooking up. You know what yeah, I mean? totally. So now you've circled. Or if you've
3: won a big award and then you get to talk about it.
1: You win an award at the
3: reunion? No, like, if you've, like, won an Oscar and then you, like, go back to your high school reunion, then, like, everyone
1: wants to talk
2: to you. Oh, the
0: glow up, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, the glow
2: up. (laughs)
0: Professional (laughs) or physical or anything.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I would never go to a reunion, and I never have.
3: What if you won an Oscar? (sighs) I just, I just don't,
1: I just don't want to.
0: (laughs) College or high school? I love my college reunions, and I go, high school, I am not going.
1: High school, No um uh, yeah college maybe but i there's a lot of people i don't want to see
3: yeah all right so we won't you guys will just get in the car
1: and head somewhere else together let's go (laughs) let's go to a water park or something let's (laughs) like you know i like yo we don't have to go to the reunion we can like have sex and then you want to like see a movie later
3: that's a good date yeah good date (laughs) this has been so much fun where can people find you follow you and get your book
0: Yes. Uh, So ZacharyZane.com is my website. ZacharyZane underscore on Twitter and Instagram. I try to use Instagram more because Twitter is not good for my mental health, but I am on both. VoiceLet, a memoir manifesto, is sold everywhere books are sold Uh, on May 9th. Again, I will be in L.A. and SF and Chicago, and New York and Boston. So if you follow me on Instagram and Twitter, I'm going to post soon the little cutesy graphic design with where i am touring and speaking
1: and you can see allison with zach in la and me with zach in sf
4: yes i
0: want everyone driving the next morning doing that six hour trip i want to see people at both (laughs) Both, yeah (laughs) yeah
3: oh my gosh thank you so much stick around after the break we'll be talking all about my bachelorette party which was the most fun i've ever had Just between us, it's time for topics. X X X X X
1: X X baby,
3: baby, baby. Ooh, so this topic is my favorite topic because it's about me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about your bachelorette party.
3: I had the best time ever. Um, I hope other people had fun, but I had the best.
4: (laughs) I had a blast. You did? I did.
3: Oh, good. I feel like Jocelyn had fun, too. She
4: really did. I like her a lot.
3: She's great, right? I liked
1: her. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So my sister flew out from New York, put together uh, like the most perfectly planned and executed bachelorette party, complete with many activities, games, games, a sash, a tiara,
4: Mm-hmm. Hats. hats
3: hats i know i had so much swag mm-hmm. Everyone oh got yeah. a personal a personal water bottle yeah
4: those cups were great those are cool yeah right? the water yeah. bottles are amazing
3: she just like nailed it and it was just such a fun weekend and i felt like very like i wrote about it on my Substack, but i just felt like very loved and like it just was like a reminder that like a lot of my friendship and security stuff is just kind of my stuff and not based on like the reality of my life Um, Yeah. Can
1: you talk about that? Cause you seem to, you made some TikToks about it too. Like you seem to be like in the midst of it, surprised that we were your friends.
3: (laughs) I think that like my context for adult friendship in a lot of ways is based around my sister and her friends. And Mm -hmm. so she has friends where she just like texts with them every single day and like is in constant communication with them. And that's not really my friendships. And I think I always thought that that meant that like people cared less about me or we were less close or, you know, and I'm just like sort of like talking it with her and just like thinking about it. It's like, that's just a different type of friendship and and like you know they all have kids they're all live really near each other like they they have reason to see each other every day at like pick up and drop off we're like we're spread out all over the city we are juggling a lot of things and you know and so I think like the weekend just like reminded me that like I have a lot of history with a lot of people and like even if I don't talk to them constantly that doesn't mean that like the connection's not there and that the care isn't there. My favorite
1: part was everybody sharing memories about you. Oh,
3: my God. That was so fun.
1: Yeah. Because I have were a so- terrible
3: memory. So it's like I think that people don't remember me, but uh, they do. <laughs>
1: there was so many specific ones that I didn't I obviously didn't know about because, you know, we don't sit around talking about our memories of you often. But um, but yeah, there were so many like really specific uh, fun ones that I was like, oh, like everybody has like a good Allison memory.
4: was very sweet.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was. And. Uh, talk about the socks game.
3: Oh, so I guess a normal game on a bachelorette party is like to everyone buy the bride lingerie, and then you guess who the lingerie is from. But because I have like sensory stuff, my sister knew that lingerie would be uncomfortable for me, so instead, everyone got me custom socks.
1: <laughs> and then you had to guess who the socks and I had to were guess from. Who the socks
3: were from. It was so fun. And so, yeah, I mean, it just felt like so, like all of it just felt so thoughtful and like. Something for me just, like, about, like, oh, people, like, went and, like, bought socks behind my back to mm-hmm. surprise me with. is just, like, take a moment to, like, appreciate that. You know <laughs> what I
4: mean? Yeah. It I was- enjoyed it. The company that I got the socks made through, I had to cancel the first order because I was like, no, no, no.
3: What did you do the first time?
4: It was all dog stuff. And then, like, then it was, I was like, no, I've got to get some with their faces. You and John's face on it, too. And then, yeah, and then more dog stuff and the mug. So oh, it's great. Amazing. Melissa had a whole setup.
3: Yeah, she had so much stuff. And, and it was so funny how many people did socks of my dogs.
4: Yeah, <laughs>
1: absolutely. Absolutely. There was a small worry because people were saying what they had gotten, and it was like multiple people had kind of had the same idea. Uh-huh. And it was like, oh no, what are we going to do?
3: I think I did okay with the guessing. Yeah, you, you did, did. You're
4: terrible for me. I know. You didn't guess mine.
3: I know, but I did. I I, I I didn't do well, but I think I did. Yeah. Okay. For the,
4: I would say mostly it was just like us two that you did. Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> um, and then uh, and then we like had dinner and we were staying at this really nice, beautiful place. And we went to the spa and we painted. We painted. We, painted
3: mm-hmm. we went
4: horseback riding. Horseback up. riding. I'm still up. thinking about it. Right. Melissa well, had never been on a horse. And um, no- we, we yeah. learned. My mom claims that I used to ride horses all the time when we lived in Tennessee. But the thing is, she forgets things all the time. And I remember everything. So I don't know how true this is. Yeah. Can you explain your outfit that you wore to horseback riding? I had some uh, equestrian wear, you know, like
1: full equestrian. And like I imagine had, an equestrian from Gossip Girl.
4: Like I that's had what on she looked like. Leggings that had little horsies on it. I don't know if you saw. I didn't even
3: see that. Yeah. They
4: had the, they had like, they were actual equestrian pants. And so they had little grippers on them and they had little horsies on it. Um, Blazer. The woman woman
3: running it was like shocked. You had never been on the horse before. She was (laughs) like, but you look the part. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Got some boots, had a little belt on. It was amazing. Thank you. Was it fun? Oh, yeah. It's so fun. Now I'm I'm like, I want to go all the time, but they're so far. All the stables are far away. You can go Park. to Griffith Park. So far. Nice. No.
1: Yeah.
3: No, well, I really want to go again. Yeah. Let's and go. What was it like the two of you sharing a room?
1: Oh, uh, Melissa and I were roommates. And
4: I think it was, it it was, was pretty fine. good. Yeah, yeah, Nothing exciting happened. Mostly.
3: I thought that you. So Gabe met a guy in the steam room. Yeah. <laughs> and then that night, Gabe disappeared. Didn't say goodbye to me. was just gone uh, pretty early in the night. And Melissa was like, oh, Gabe. Stomach hurts or something, and I was like, "Gabe's hooking up with that guy." No.
4: <laughs> Gabe just needed to decompress. I
1: had had a lot too much um, social stimulation, and I needed to just lay down. But no, I didn't go. Ho- I I know that you thought I went and hooked up with the guy from the steam room. What happened was is that everybody. Um, I'm the only guy. So everybody was in the ladies' side of the, um, sauna or the, you know, spa, which was lovely. And I was by myself on the men's side. But I was having a good time. I was like, you know, laying in the, in the hot tub and stuff. Um, and a guy came in who like had one earring and tattoos. And I was pretty much like, okay, that's a gay guy. And, uh, I don't know the etiquette. I'm brand new. I was literally actually our guest, Zach Zane. I was texting him. <laughs> be so oh, like what that's do text. Yeah, Zach being like, what the fuck do I do? Because that's his area of expertise <laughs> and he's not I mean he's helpful as a friend, but he also was like get back in there and suck that guy's dick. And I was like, Zach, I need more like specific information. So we I was in the sauna, so we were like doing this dance of like we were both in the sauna and then he like opened his towel and then I had I had didn't have my glasses on but then I thought oh if I if I put my glasses on it's so aggressive because then I'm just like putting my glasses on to be like I'm clearly looking at you Yeah. yeah so I was like it's too aggressive to put my glasses on because then it's like I'm clearly looking at you but because I didn't have my glasses I couldn't figure out Like like Zach was like, was he jerking off? And I was like, I don't know. I couldn't see. (laughs) Um, And then like I couldn't see through the steam or anything. And then I was so then I was doing this fun party trick with like your friends where I would, you know, it was like a family resort or whatever. And I was like opening grinder And let me tell you, like it would be like 200 feet away.
4: The first day when we got in, in our room. He opened it up, and it was somebody two hundred feet away. So we we're like, they have to be in the next room.
1: Yeah. Oh wow! But it was know all that. torsos, no heads, like men who were like clearly on the DL, like they're with Chichi on their wives. Oh no. Fully, and I was like, but so then there was the the one young guy. So I was like, oh, okay, interesting. So I, I, I like, I'm like, nothing happens. We kind of keep like crossing paths or whatever. I'm trying to like figure out the etiquette, and then I go upstairs to do like my massage to wait for my massage. And I just open grinder and I have a message from that guy saying, just saw you in the steam room. <laughs> and then I wrote back, Oh, and then this was mortifying. I wrote back, I was checking you out. And then he wrote back. I could tell.
4: Oh no. And that's I was so like,
1: embarrassing. No. And then, so then I was like, okay, okay, okay. Done. And then, um, And then late, so I was like, okay, he's making fun. I don't know, not making fun, but like he was like, Oh, this is charming, but like I'm not trying to hook up or whatever. But then later that night, he messaged me, get any action, L O L. And I was like, No, it's all DL daddies around here. And he was like, Yeah, same. And I was like, Okay, so what? So are you trying to hook up? Like, I don't understand what the what is the situation here. Um, but then I just, it just, you know, I was like there for the bachelorette, you know, but also I think I, I think his profile said open relationship, So I'm like, he's definitely like here with his partner probably. Oh, maybe. Yeah. So like, he's got other things
4: going on.
3: I don't know. I had so much fun. I didn't even miss my dog's. Wow. wow. I know. That's huge. I know. I didn't even miss my dogs.
4: Wow. It was wild. But you, every dog that we saw, you were very, very excited, excited about, about
3: dogs. Yeah. But I didn't want to go home. I like, I, it was like the first time I've ever had like an extended social situation where I like didn't want to immediately <laughs> leave.
1: It was so great. And your friends are really great. I really liked your neighbor. <laughs> yeah. Um, Celia. Like your, and that. all seeing all the old friends that I hadn't seen in a long time, like it was really great. Thank you. And everyone what. OK, like I alluded to earlier, fire outfits. Everyone yeah. was dressed like everyone had like like a, a statement outfit, like <laughs> everyone was looking great.
3: Well, I think it was so nice because, you know, Jocelyn and I were like talking about it and she was like, you know, for a lot of people like show up and not really know each other. I think I, I it's really nice. Like there wasn't clicky.
4: No, No. not at all. And
3: like one of my friends even like said that like that nobody like I think I guess like I'm not used to that, but I guess like in normal groups like maybe it would be more clickier. people wouldn't be so open with each Mm -hmm. other right away or be like oh these people know each other, these people don't. But it was like so nice because it felt like it was like equal opportunity hanging out. (laughs) You know, I (laughs) I couldn't
1: get a read on who knew each other before.
3: Yeah, because
1: everybody was just like hanging out, right? Because like
3: people just like yeah, like it was like. Like my two friends like drove up together and like they were like acting. And then it was like, oh, well, she's going Like they were acting like they were best friends. And I was like, have they met? They must have met before. But I don't think that they like really know. No. It was so nice. No. And then the
4: the the turn of events when we found out that two people had been working and going to school at the same place and didn't even know each other. I know.
3: Two of my friends were like both at Georgetown at like the same time and had the same job in the gym.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But never
1: met. Never met. Yeah. And also uh, the penis straws. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, my God.
3: Yeah. My sister really shocked us. The first <laughs> night we had penis straws that were very artistic, subtle, subtle modernist sort mm-hmm. of. They
4: kind of look like um, a squash. Draw. Yeah,
3: like it could be, is it, is it not? And right. then the second night, Jocelyn graphic. bought, just like graphic, veiny penis drops. Yeah, and, what, and
4: you had a huge <laughs> I one.
3: I had a huge one, but I think I I think I think left it at the bar. I don't have oh, it. No. Oh, no. no. I have a couple of the small ones, but I don't have the big one anymore.
1: Oh, that's so funny. I know. Yeah, and also like the Never Have Ever card game was like, we were trying to get Jocelyn drunk and it was so funny. Yeah, it was so funny to play that. There yeah. was just so
3: many fun games. Um, yeah. and I love games and she hates games. And so she still played them for me. Really? Yeah. She hates
1: games. She had so many
3: ready. I know because she knows I love them.
1: <sighs>
4: it, it was, was
3: so
1: really fun. Fun. Was good. It was very fun.
3: Do yeah. you think we seem like sisters? Yeah. Really? Uh huh. Like, do we look alike or act alike or what? I
4: think you, it was just the vibe that y'all have together. I, you have similar features, but I don't think you like look alike, look alike. Yeah. Um, You could tell that y'all related. I yeah, realized, like
3: on that trip, like she is very gregarious. Like she, she is, was like, so fun. Like, she was she's, funny. Yeah, like she's like because she, you know, she lives like a much more like conservative lifestyle than me. But like she is like kind of a big personality and uh-huh. like and like kind of like will take control of the room and like tell a funny story and like she's be, funny. Yeah, yeah, like so yeah.
1: she's not like an you know she's not like a, a an asshole older sister who like wasn't funny or talking to people or No, she's engaging. very warm. Yeah, very extremely warm. warm. Yeah.
4: yeah. And as soon as I got there, she gave me a hug. Yeah. And she's like, it's good to finally meet you. I yeah. was like,
3: oh. <laughs> I know. I just like to bask in the sun of Jocelyn's attention.
1: Yeah, I know. It's That's the favorite. energy, totally. <laughs> and the place that we were staying also was like really uh, attentive. Yeah, they kept moving my stuff, though. (laughs) Yeah, they did move Melissa's stuff. She didn't like it. I don't
4: like people touching my stuff. And I I put it in a certain place like that's where i wanted it, and then i couldn't find shit yeah but
1: they were very attentive very attentive and i and i enjoyed it was like my first experience of being at a place where like every single person was like mr dunn mr dunn would you like your massage mr dunn oh we'll get that for you right away mr dunn like it was so like nice. very i was like wow well, one i was like oh i'm feeling like they have like a, a binder with everyone's picture and name <laughs> and like some <laughs> things about them so that's creepy but i was also like wow they're really on top of stuff
3: yeah it was so it was it was, just it was perfect. really great, and I also feel like it just reset me like i was so like like wound up and stressed and and like I just feel different like I feel Aww. like i feel like a different person afterwards
4: yeah <laughs> i i have re- really haven't like had a real vacation since before the pandemic, yeah. so that right. was it was nice
3: it was so decompressing and it just like was like a reminder of like well i a big thing i, I like talked about on e s l was like it reminded me that like I can experience extreme happiness unrelated to my career.
4: Mm -hmm. I
3: don't need to like have someone to pick up a project or get this success or sell that or whatever in order to like have the time of my life. Yes. And that was like really awesome because it gave me back control over like my happiness. Yes. That's beautiful. Right. Because I can like cultivate these moments without it being if someone else says yes or no to me. Yes. You know. So that More was rich. Really, it was very transformative. <laughs> More trips.
1: Yeah. Everyone gets, we get together
4: once a year. <laughs> yes. And the whole group goes somewhere new. <laughs> I love that. I like that too. Cause I, I got along with everybody. I got along with right? everybody. Everyone's
3: yeah. just so nice. Yeah. yeah. You, you,
4: you cultivated a good.
3: Oh, thank you. Yeah. There were and no duds. Yeah.
4: No that duds. speaks highly on you. Yeah.
1: Now I'm going to, I'm going to cry. Okay. What do we rate this episode? Uh, I rate it 11 out of 10. Somebody teach me the etiquette
4: for hooking up in a sauna.
3: Fair enough. <laughs> what was this, dying?
4: <laughs> I'll rate it um, 50 out of 40 weed gummies.
3: Perfect. And I'll rate it 3,241 out of three. Best time of my Whoa, life. Whoa. <laughs> highest rating ever. It
1: is, it is. <laughs> Thank you to Zachary Zane for being our guest. Just Between Us is a Forever
3: Dog production hosted by me, Alison Raskin. And me, Gabe Dunn. Produced by Melissa Diamond-Montz. Edited by Coco Lorenz. Executive produced by Brett Boehm,
1: Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey.
3: And on TikTok at at Allison Raskin, baby. And I'm on TikTok as Dabby Gunn. So
1: branding's going really well over here. Yeah, good luck finding us.
2: Forever. (coughs) Dog.